air breathers. This is SpongeBob SquarePants, and you are filling your ear holes with an elegant weapon, the best podcast on land or sea. Bah! May the force be with you. An elegant weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer, and you don't want no part of this shit. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. This is a journey into sound. The time has come. Join hands as we bring together our mystic powers. Cobra attack! and gentlemen welcome to an elegant weapon episode 167 my name is jay the jedi russ please excuse me while i flick my bick why what's mad this cat here yeah. what do you mean he's high full of weed, full of weed? Yeah. why was this cat anyway that's the meatful man, man. Yeah. why look at that dog he looks like he's losing his mind that's that's dog, man. lost his mind Magically delicious. Hello, kids. Welcome back to the show. How are y'all doing? I'm doing fine. I hope you're all doing fine. This week on an elegant weapon, I am welcoming writer Mr. Josh Dahl. Josh Dahl is the other half of Rapid City, Below Zero Number 4. That's coming out. The other half of uh, him and he would be Sean Langley. Sean Langley, the artist recently on the show, a bunch of weeks back there. You can go back, check that out. Hear my good time chat with Sean. Got to get Sean back soon. We got to do uh, we got to do some who talk. Because Doctor Who has just been so fabulous. Uh, I've been loving it. Just loving it. I can't get enough of Capaldi. Can, can he get enough at all of Capaldi? Uh, I'm even a fan of the Sonic uh, Shades. So, uh, yeah. A little whacked out I might have been at the beginning of this conversation. I don't know if you'll pick up on it. I'm not sure if I would. But I definitely remember feeling it because... Just prior to having this conversation that you're about to hear with Josh, I had been recording my one of my other podcasts called Two Jays Later with El Haquez. And uh, basically, we were wake and baked to the maximum dude and just babbling as uh, that's what Two Jays Later is. It's me and Josh getting high as shit and talking shit. 
a whole lot of shit. But if you like shit, go check out uh, Two Jays Later on the Points of Interest Podcast Network. But anyway, so I just finished doing that, and I went from the basement up outside into the backyard, and I got a message from Josh, who I had days before talked to about uh, maybe recording that day, which was Monday, which was Canadian Thanksgiving. And uh, so he hit me up, and he's like, uh, so when do you want to do this? And I was like, oh, shit. Uh, I got to go to my in-laws for Thanksgiving dinner in uh, like an hour. So I was like, I can do it like now or we can do it later. He's like, let's do it now. And I was like, oh, a oh, oh, oh. little bit, a little bit of Twitterpated, a little bit of flabbergasted. So uh, I ran inside, ran downstairs, and we began our conversation, which uh, fluidly as usually uh, turned out very, very nice. Uh, most of the kids are very, very nice. It's very, very rare. That I have someone on this show who's not not super nice. And Josh is a nice guy. And not only is he a nice guy, but he does nice things, as you will hear. Nice things for other kids. Uh, and tonight, for you kids, the nice thing he's going to do is talk to me. So we talk about him and Sean Langley. He and Sean Langley? Him. Him and? He and? Sorry. Just having a grammar discovery moment within myself uh sean langley and he are uh creating a new comic book uh, that is in their rapid city series it's rapid city below zero number four and they're trying kickstarter this time so he's come on the show we're going to talk about the kickstarter so go to kickstarter and look up uh, rapid city below zero number four by josh Dahl and sean langley and check it out. Uh, it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful work. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but uh, I've seen the images that have been portrayed. And good Lord, Sean Langley is just a special, special artist. And uh, it was a really special time getting to know his writer, which is Josh. And uh, very cool dude. So that's what you're going to get. Uh, also, this week, I uh, just want to say one little thing. I must remind you that this and a furthermore few episodes of An Elegant Weapon are brought to you by Pints and Pages, which is an event that will be held in Toronto, Ontario at the Cameron House, November 14th and 15th, in the back room at 408 Queen Street West, from 3 to 7 p.m. And basically a bunch of really cool artists from the GTA will be gathering there to drink, draw, and be merry. Uh, yeah, Mike Ruth, uh, Ricky Lima, uh, A. Shay Han, Jason Liu, Sean Daly, Shayna Mato. It's a, it's a heck of a lineup of a lot of really, really cool dudes, many of which have been on the show before, and uh, we'll be there, and we'll be podcasting. Uh, the event. It's a Facebook event, so you can get on there and look up Pints and Pages, too, if you're in the Toronto area, or the greater Toronto area. Toronto Blue Jays just, uh, like a couple hours ago, defeated the Texas Rangers um, to go to the ALCS, and that's pretty cool, because it's making it feel like 93 again all up in this bitch. So uh, that's fun times. Uh, but, yes, uh, other than that, everything is fun, and everything is cool. Uh, especially this conversation with Mr. Josh Dahl of Rapid City. Please, please enjoy. So, uh, how are you feeling? New York City Comic Con, huh? Um, I'm feeling surprisingly well. I don't have any, like, uh, major illnesses or body traumas. <laughs> 
Nice, nice. Were you there every day? Were you there for the whole weekend? I was really there for Saturday and Sunday. Oh, right, right on, right on. Yeah, man, that looks like an epic, epic show, you know? It was um, a little too much. It was a little bit too much. Right on. Yeah, I could feel that. Was it your first time there? No, I've been there many times. Um, It was... um, At one point, I decided to take a break from networking and marketing and and doing my comic thing. And I was like, I'm just going to go over to the retail area and and I'm just going to try to find some G.I. Joe toys. (laughs) And... It was as though, how to describe this? When I got out of there, I was just like shell-shocked and confused. (laughs) It's just traumatic experience. (laughs) It was like there was a misty cloud over that area, and you'd see people stumbling out of it just like looking around. What just happened in there? (laughs) That's awesome. I mean, I'm used to Fan Expo up here, which is, you know, it's – it's almost on par, but looking at the pictures and stuff I saw from New York this year, I think it's <laughs> if you can say that that show could explode any more than it has, I think it kind of did this year. Like that looked intimidating to me, you know, and I've, I've been amongst that many people, but that just looked maddening. Like <laughs> um, generally on the in the small press area in Artist Alley, it was a real comfortable density. There was constant traffic, but not bad traffic. Over near the large publishers and especially in the retailer section, it was it was literally too much. If they, if you saw something you wanted, there was a chance you just might not get over to it. Wow, that's that yeah, that sounds like too much, man. That's they've kind of taken over. It's kind of like people wanted a different vibe from San Diego, so they hopped to the other side of the country, and now it's like New York City rock and roll comic on you. Know? <laughs> You know, it'll strike a balance. It'll be because it's expensive enough that only people who really want to be there and really want to enjoy it can go. So, if it starts not working out, if it start, if a lot of people are unhappy with the crowds, fewer people will go. Yeah, and there will be big crowds, yeah. or they'll change it. They started doing a New York special edition in the summer, which is really great. Um, it's like. It's the same promoters as uh, New York Comic Con, uh, Reed Pop, who, you know, managing a show like that, I'm sure there's problems, whatever. They, I think they do a great job. Um, it's managed by them, except it's just comics. It's comic creators, comic sellers. It's just comics. There's no movies, no video games, no... Right, right. Yeah. You know, for now. Yeah, that's uh, Fan Expo's got its same kind of version where in March they do just Toronto Comic Con, but it's put on oh, no. by the same people. Yeah, but it's... Strictly comics. All the other stuff is excluded. So it's nice to have that. You know, it's nice to have something in the winter to check out too. You know. Yep. So and you're over in Massachusetts, yeah? Yeah, in Boston. Well, yeah. Somerville. Not too far from you to get to New York, then, no? Uh, it's about a four-hour ride. Oh, that's so not, it's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad at all. So that's good times. Are you a Boston native? No, no. I'm originally from Michigan. Uh, came out to Boston to teach. Oh, right on. Cool. How long have you been out in Boston then? Um, probably somewhere close to 15 to 12 years. Oh, so you've been out there a good chunk of time then, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like it. I love Michigan, man. Uh, really? Oh, my God. I'm the hugest fan of Michigan. I get, I'm going this weekend. I'm going out cool. for Grand Rapids Con down in Grand Rapids. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lots of there's Grand Rapids is a cool town. 
Uh, well, I, I started. I went to Motor City the past two years, and okay. yep. it's it just took took first place on my list right away. Like I just love that convention, and there's so many fine people and talented people out there in Michigan, and it's just a nice vibe. You know, there's a big supportive thing going on. Everybody's actually nice to each other. So. Yep, absolutely. You know, I, I've been hearing uh, uh, mixed reviews of the Motor City Con. Yeah, it's uh, no, I. You know, I enjoy it. I, uh, I the cool thing I like about it is it's actually at the convention center that's attached to the hotel. So oh, in a way, it's a twenty-four hour Comic Con for three days. <laughs> oh right, that's yeah. You know, and that's the part I like about it. But I mean, it's getting big. I mean, it's that could be something I see. You know, some longtime attendees maybe not being huge on is how big it's actually getting. You know, I've heard uh, complaints about things like the. Uh... The hard airplane hanger cement floors, is that still a thing they have? Well, it's, yeah, but it's no different than any other convention space I think I've been to, you know? Like, uh, it's a convention center, like any other kind of typical place, I mean. Yeah, I guess. Uh, there's, um, I just remember uh, uh, when I lived there, it had started to get kind of a reputation. Uh, uh, we called it Motor TittyCon because of all the, uh, it started off with like, uh, just a few Playboy centerfolds signing their their pictures, and then it got to be, uh, um, porn stars. And... Oh yeah, <laughs> no, it's uh, well, I think they turned uh, a different direction or something. Cause, well, that's yeah, good. It's, yeah, but you know, it's uh, no, I enjoy it. It's good times, good people. But uh, Michigan in general, I've met a lot yeah. of good friends down there, and uh, you know, it's good times. So. So were you involved in writing and stuff before you left out there? Like, is that what you involve your teaching with, or? Um, yeah, I uh, I was part of the uh, Kalamazoo City Comics Commission. I was part of um, comics work in Kalamazoo. Uh, I started writing some version of Rapid City. That, in fact, Rapid City is based on Kalamazoo, Michigan. Oh, cool. How long uh, how long's the series been going? Because it's number four that the Kickstarter's out that's for, right. right? Right. So how long you been uh, into this? Uh, that's a tricky question because well, you know, just Rapid Tom... City itself. Like, when did the first issue come out? The first issue came out probably f- five years ago. The first version of Rapid City that was a comic. There have been now. Let's see. I've got the three below zeros. Before that, there were four. Objects at rest. Then there was a random uh, issue eleven, and then there was a uh, a standalone before that. So what are we at there? A bunch. <laughs> yeah. And then the concept was sort of stretching back before that. There was sort of there was an ash can done. Actually, that I debuted at a Motor City Con um, several years ago. I don't even remember when. Rad. Um, for those who aren't familiar, what's Rabbit City all about? Give us your elevator pitch there. Um, I'm going to go beyond, I'm going to do more of the escalator pitch, if that's okay. Absolutely. No, no, it's a much more enjoyable ride. Because I, I, you know, I already mentioned the, the tie to Kalamazoo, Michigan. So basically the idea for Rapid City was I wanted to write about the music scene in Kalamazoo. Okay. And I'm not very good at writing about music. What I'm good at writing about is superheroes. Okay. So I just told it as a superhero story where powers are a metaphor for music. Cool. All the different reasons people get into music or all the different reasons people get into superpowers. Um, that had a shape and a form for a little while. Uh, started working on that story with some friends. 
Um, then it sort of morphed into another thing, which became Rapid City Objects at Rest, which is the four issues I have out, had out uh, um, recently about a superhero trying to become, about a guy who wants to be a superhero trying to become a superhero. Okay. Um, that I did as a script writing project, which ran 24 issues of just script. Um, at the end of that, it turned into, issue 25 of that turned into Rapid City Below Zero, which is the book I'm working on right now. Okay, right on. So it's been a it's been a steady, slow evolution, kind of. Yes. Yeah, that's rad. So where does it start for you when you're, you know, when you're, how old are you when you discover you want to write? And is it, has it always been comic books for you or? It pretty much always has. I've taken different writing classes and, you know, this or that, but it's always been, if the assignment was to write, uh, you know, a five page prose story, I would write it as close to a comic book as I could. Um, it's somewhere hardwired in my brain. It, It just is. So, like, were comics introduced to you at a very young age then, and they were just always your thing? Um, I don't remember. How'd how you get I, so young? You just, it's just I always been there. <laughs> loving Superman and liking the Iron Man cartoon and getting an Iron Man comic book on a family vacation to Florida. And then nothing for a while. And then I liked G.I. Joe comics. And then on another family vacation to northern Michigan. I got an X-Men comic. And then after that, it was all superheroes all the time. X-Men, Marvel, constant. And that's the first thing you kind of gravitated to was kind of what, like making up stuff in your mind and just starting with storytelling in your head and needing to get that out sort of thing? Or Yeah, yeah I just like making stuff up. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, a lot of kids, they don't go straight to the writing, you know? I mean, there's... It's often uh, the ratio isn't exactly, you know, very balanced when it comes to writers and artists these days. And uh, that's true. It's neat um, to hear when you, a kid who, you know, was young enough, got into superheroes young enough that he doesn't remember it yet. You know, you went to the writing side of it and you wanted to, you know, kind of that's what you enjoyed making stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, thinking about it now, like I still like to draw. I have always liked to draw, but I never like. I never loved it enough to get better at it. You know what I mean? Totally, I agree. I I'm totally in that same boat, man. Like I, like, I you know, yeah. If I drew something and it didn't look right, I'd go eh and turn the page and do something different. I wouldn't <laughs> like try it again and like study a technique and like I just like no, that sucks. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> I totally feel you, man. I was the same way. Like I still even love to draw, but yeah, I never loved it enough to put the time in and, and it kind of sucks because when you have a little bit of talent you're like man if i'd really practiced i might have gotten pretty good at, at that you know so yeah but whatever just keep it keep on going keep doing it for fun that's why i got into the podcasting you know fulfilled a lot of old school creative things yeah. i never got to do you know so have you done many podcasts over the years or um more and more now i uh i did two podcast interviews in new york um, I've done enough now that I'm starting to get, uh, paranoid about telling the same stories. On right all on. Of them. <laughs> but then I realized like at, at this level, like I don't know how much overlap there is among fan base. Right. 
You know what I'm saying? So I'm hoping that I'm not just boring the shit out of people and telling the same boring stories again and again. Well, luckily the thing about with the podcast is that uh, mine's always been good and nice for trying to get new discoveries out there. Not that I don't have very enjoyable guests like repeat the show and stuff, but right. you know, part of what I love is is in independent comics is getting it out there and having a platform because I I just like to blab and I love talking to people about their shit. But on the other hand, you don't. It's the same thing. You don't want people to have to tell the same stories all the time, and you don't really necessarily want to hear them too. So, so, so ask me something unexpected. <laughs> do you listen to podcasts? <laughs> um, yes, I do. I love podcasts. Um, but my mom has been visiting me. She uh, for about the past three weeks, and she has a car, and I do not have a car. So she's been giving me rides to work every morning. Right. And like a ride to the store. So all my normal walking time, when I get all my podcast listening in, I haven't had it for like three weeks. Oh, that's painful, dude. That's painful. And it's starting to like freak <laughs> me out a little bit. So what do you listen to when you can? <laughs> I listen to a lot of um, sort of pop informative podcasts. I love uh, like Freakonomics and Stuff You Should Know. Um I listen to some technical comics podcasts. Uh, oh, oh that's cool. That's cool. I've actually never heard anybody listening to many of those. Like ones where they're they're almost like instructional podcasts or like. Yeah, well, of course I've been listening to uh, Tyler James's Comic Launch, Comics Launch, excuse me. Yeah, all about yeah. Kickstarting comics. That was very helpful for the very helpful for my Kickstarter. Um, I think there's one called um, Off Panel. Jeez, uh, I wish I. I'm bad at remembering names. Oh no! It, you know, it just comes out of my ear, so I don't. Um... Yeah, no, no, that's cool. It's uh, it's awesome because you know I'm not. I'm, I think I'm familiar with one or two of those, but uh, it's always great to hear that you know. Oh, oh, Karen Gillan used to do an excellent podcast about um, just the way comics are made. He did an excellent one where he goes back and forth with Matt Fraction right about on. um writing Hawkeye in the Marvel style. It's fantastic. See, I love that shit. It's good times. It's uh, I'm it's... so addicted to podcasts, that... <laughs> dude. I you want to talk addicted to podcasts? Like, I have the I have actually have a kind of a job where uh, my my day existence. I'm a tree climber. Oh, neat. Yeah, and so I spend my day swinging around like Tarzan, and I get to, I can just listen to podcasts all wow. day long. Yeah. And you know, I run out far too quickly, so I'm always trying to find good ones, but. While I'm doing the dishes, while I'm yep. walking the dog, yep. like absolutely any chance I get, like I, I, I don't think I've listened to music in four years. I, I'm so with you. <laughs> like it's just, it never dawns on me. And then sometimes I'll run out of a podcast and be like, ah, oh, and I'll put music on, and it'll be weird. Like I'll yep. just put the radio on in the car and be like, this is not right at all. Like, <laughs> I will at times, if I'm listening to something, I'll, I'll say I'm listening to a writing podcast and they'll say something very interesting. So, you know, like theme can be used for, and I'll, I'll at that point switch over to music. Cause I just want to walk a few blocks and just think about what they said before they move on to the next thing. Sure. That's a, uh, that's an interesting technique. That's cool, man. It's uh Never thought of like I've often listened to certain podcasts where they're like do this or try that and press pause, but I never can. I just <laughs> well, gotta keep listening. Like it's, your hands are busy, I guess, climbing trees. Yeah, it's uh, 
it's hard because I have a lot of hours to fill, man. And, uh, you know, I listen to a lot of the big ones, of course, you know. Kind of, you well, on the big, you know, there's a few I listen to of the big, you know, typical ones. Uh, my all-time favorite podcast is Hollywood Babylon, uh, Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman. I, uh, yeah, I never, I never got, I tried a little bit. Every once in a while, I try some of those smodcasts. They just don't quite do it for me. Well, this one just hits my funny bone. This one's okay. just, uh, it's, it's kind of like their version of Entertainment Tonight. Like, okay. it's kind of your typical, like, geek news, like, podcast right. in a way, but they're just, these two are just beyond hilarious. It's a live show. It's just fun. There's a lot of audience participation, but, it's just, it's to me personally, it just hits my funny bone where I laugh till I can't breathe. And every Monday morning they release it and it just starts my week off like, oh, nice, nice. So nicely. And if there's a week it doesn't come out, like I'm seriously, I'm like, oh, yep. this yep. could be a bad week, you know. But uh, <clears throat> other than that, I listen to uh, some Joe Rogan, but it's hard to keep up with him. He puts mm-hmm. out like 50 hours of podcast a week. You listen uh, to uh, Mark Marin? I listen to Mark Marin when I'm interested in the guest because I'm not a huge fan of his. I don't mind him uh, because I do like his style. Like that's that's my preferred podcast method is just the bullshit method. You know what I mean? Yes. So I enjoy that, but a lot of his guests are just kind of he doesn't tend to pull a lot out of them at times. So I can't just listen to everyone. Whereas Nerdist, I could listen to him talk to anybody. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. But he's been fun because I've watched him improve. Like, I don't think he's the greatest host ever. Or, you know, he's still got things he does that are funny. But for the amount of years I've been listening, he has come a long way. It's been fun to see him change and evolve. And That's what, that's what I enjoy about it. I don't really enjoy – I don't think I listen to many podcasts for the humor. I don't – I think that's one of the reasons I don't like um, – um, the guy on Nerdist, uh, um, um, the host. Oh, Hardwick? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah like yeah. he's clearly very good at it, but he goes too hard for the jokes. And I just – it. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. It's something he used to do really badly too. I think he's he's learned about uh, a lot about who he's talking to. Like he used to kind of talk to everybody the same way. Oh, right. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. You know, and like, like recently he did uh, – like he still keeps it light. You yep. know, and he's, you know, which I enjoy that, but, uh, I hear what you're saying. If you, if you, you know, for me, it's kind of, it's not the comedy all the time, but I definitely do enjoy a funny podcast. Like, I love, uh, chewing it with, uh, the guys from Broken Lizard, Kevin Hefferton and Steve Lemmy, two of the, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. you know, no, Super Troopers guys. Oh, they're just, and that one's just, there's no reason to listen other than humor. Gotcha. Like, it's just them bullshitting and being funny for an hour. No, I remember Which, um, yeah. on one of the Mark Marin shows on the live ones, he will uh, he'll read some letters from fans, and somebody wrote in and was like, "This fucking show is not funny. You shouldn't." Uh, and I, like I realized, like, wait a minute, people expect this to be funny. There's people who are listening for humor. To WTF? Really? That's yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, no. I never listened to that one. I like I like Marin's kind of ignorant naivety sometimes yep. when he just asks he blurts out questions sometimes that are just kind of like they're they're strange they're not bad but he just kind of goes in in weird ways but uh and i like hardwick for the fact that 
he's comfortable in himself now to be the fanboy because he knows yeah. how to control it. So he will be like, he'll say flat out. He said to someone recently, can't remember who it was, but he was like, look, I totally right now just want to geek out on all your old work, but I'll try to keep it down. <laughs> like, yep. And I love that that comfort level, you know. But a lot of it is is the making of the pod too, is because I'm, I mean, I have four shows I'm on. Nice. And I also am the co-curator of a network, uh, Points of Interest Network. So there's just a lot of work to do. Plus, right. I have a family. You know, my wife works crazy, crazy hours. So, you know, I, I play the Mr. Mom thing whenever I'm not in the trees. And all my other time is just trying to get podcasts in. You know. So do you find yourself enjoying podcasts where the content is not at all interesting to you, but the technical skill of it? You're like, oh, these guys know what they're doing. Uh, either or. Um, I'll pick different things out. I could like a podcast for a lot of different reasons. Uh, sometimes I don't think the host is very good, but I love their content. Okay. So, so I will I will put up with like a boring, droned-out voice if what it's saying right. interests me. Yeah. You know. What are the red flags for you that uh, uh, that kill a podcast that you, you like turn it off? The red flags are like when it's when I'm not listening. Oh yeah, I'll pretty much yeah, literally I'll find myself not listening or I'll be thinking too much and then I realize, okay, this is boring. Yep, and it could be for many different reasons because there's a, there's a big saturation. Adam Carolla said recently, and this kind of goes with independent comics and podcasts at the same time I'm finding these days, is podcasts are like indie bands. Uh-huh. You know, there's so many out there, so many different kinds, so many different levels. And, you know, there's a lot of them that want to get big and famous and monetize and all that kind of stuff who often, you know, it doesn't work out because they don't realize how many of us there are. Yes. Right. So you gotta find your own voice. Same thing with your comic book and your story. I've had so many countless guests on this show who've said the same thing that, you know, things really started to work for them when they stopped worrying about yeah. who was gonna read, but just telling their story and finding it to be their voice, right? And yeah. that's been a pleasure. That's been a really, really, really cool thing, you know? So. It's neat. They often go hand in hand, but they go so well together. I think that's why there's so many geek podcasts out there and comic book podcasts, you know? I like talking to comic creators, not necessarily getting so deep into their work as much as just chatting with them because they're usually super cool people. Yes. You know? They're usually like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting people with a story to tell. And sorry, I'm blabbing away here on my own thing. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> But, you know, that's that's a cool thing. So, like, I'll, like for instance, what uh, making friends with you on Facebook there. Yeah. One of the first things that popped into my head of interest is I see that it says you work for youth services. Yes. That's something I wanted to ask you about. Um, what does that involve, if you don't mind me getting into your personal occupation um, a little? Well, for, for legal reasons, I can't go too deeply into it. But basically, I work as a teacher for... Um, Kids who the courts of Massachusetts determine are not uh, safe to live outside right now. Sure, yeah. Um, they, basically, they've been arrested or they're working some way through the justice system. There, there's, there's a bunch of different ways kids can come to the, uh, live at the facilities where I teach. Um, basically, they're locked up. Right, whatever. right, right, right. Well, that's noble work, man. That's uh... – 
you know that is that something you kind of really went after or you kind of fell into or like uh, a little of both i found myself good at it uh when i got my teaching degree i did a little subbing and working around at different schools and i found i worked better with the bad kids than the good kids right on um i remember uh i got a subbing job at one of the nicer suburban schools outside of kalamazoo michigan and uh Class was going on, and there are all these nice little kids in their seats. And a, a kid comes up to my desk and is like, "Can I go to the restroom?" And it was so weird because I had to think about it, and I was, <laughs> I, I was like, "There's nothing else to this kid's question." There's no, I know he's not bargaining to go smoke a cigarette and fight some kid. He literally just has to pee, and when he's <laughs> done peeing, he'll come back. There's no, there's no. He's not bringing any bargaining chip to the table. There's no like, no, you can't go right now. You got to sit down and do your work. And when you finish your work, then maybe you can go. It's right. Just, yes, you can go because I trust you. And I, uh, it seemed weird. I, I didn't, it's not what I naturally deal with. Well, it's got to be a, you know, it's got to be an environment that in the beginning took a little bit of getting used to. But uh, do you ever bring the other passions into it? Do you ever use the comic books to like, you know, try to. You know, in your teaching ways. Oh, absolutely, all the time. Awesome. Um, I've burned through maybe five different copies of uh, Planet Hulk. <laughs> right on. Because, <laughs> hey, big surprise! Um, it, uh, uh, emotionally stunted, violent teenagers really like a story about a guy who gets sent away to a place that's full of monsters, <laughs> and has to handle himself there and comes back a better man. That's so, awesome. Huh? Gee, I wonder. I wonder what they like about that. Is it the science fiction aspect? Uh, is there any possible way that they could be identifying with this story? <laughs> That's cool, man. Have you ever like come across like diamonds in the rough, like some troubled kid who like could just draw like a fucking killer or like? <laughs> um, um, you do a lot of things like a killer. No, no. Oh, no. well, you know. <laughs> sorry, maybe poor choice of words, but. <laughs> um. No, there are, I have come across a few quite talented kids. Um, uh, hmm. How dark do you want to go with this? Well, not too dark. I'm just <laughs> saying, uh, you know, I, are you in a position? Well, you are in a position. So it must be a good thing. I mean, to must be a good feeling to be able to help these kids who are in a tough spot, especially when you see the ones who have this, like, talent and passion for it. Like... You know, that's just got to be a cool spot to to be in, you know, like. Yeah, I've connected with kids more on a level of. I've made more connections with when they see I make comics and I can tell kids who have some sort of creativity, like, just do this. I did this by doing it. The thing you want to do, do that thing. Um, a few kids hook into art, a few kids hook into writing or just whatever it is they're doing. They have that sort of. You know what it is, the thing you have for other people who are doing something. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that interest, that uh, yes. you know, that curiosity that kind of keeps you going, you know? Like, I mean, it's got to help a kid. I mean, I, I got to imagine some of it comes just because a lot of these kids, and, I, you know, I, I've had certain problems in my life where I know a lot of kids just go a wrong way because of just simple confidence issues. Yeah. And to actually have someone around who knows comics and can identify with these kids, as I'm sure you do, 
it must be so helpful for them to just have someone to be like, no, you can do this. This is a viable thing, you know? Like, right. like you know, I think you and I are probably close enough in generation that we came from a time when your art teacher wasn't exactly, unless you had a special one, at least mine weren't, pushing you to draw comic books, you know? That was just silly comic nonsense. Like, stop copying comic books and draw your own thing, you know? Which, you know, I guess My there's some weight to that. My art teacher, had a... Uh... A giant size, like, um, I remember it being giant size. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was normal size, but a giant Road Warrior poster in his office. What? Yeah. <laughs> so maybe there, and you end up being a comic book writer, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> it just goes to show you, man. That's, that's, I like, I like to hear those stories, you know, like some kids just aren't in a position. So good on you, sir, for, you know. <laughs> furthering the cause but as far as your particular cause is this the first time that you've kickstarted uh an yes, issue it is. it is so this is a nervous time <laughs> um yeah uh uh much less so again thanks to tyler james's uh comics launch podcast a right lot on. of mistakes i would have made he's pre-handles it I, like don't do this do this so you know when you launch an endeavor and you go, ah, I guess I'll get that right next time. I screwed that part of it up. Sure. A lot of that has already been taken care of. That's uh, that's a helpful thing, man. When uh, when you got a little bit of a template, bit of a guideline to go exactly. into something, you know, because it's unfortunate. Some Kickstarters have failed simply for the fact that they were poorly put together. They may have an amazing product. Yep. But you know, people never saw it or ever got hold of it just because of that situation. So. Yeah, especially when you're going to invest your time and effort into, you know, after people's money to help, you know, fund your passion. Yeah. I mean, you want to make sure you do it right, you know? So. Well, I mean, Kickstarter is very seductive because it seems like you just yeah, decide yeah, to get money. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And no one who is doing it successfully is saying, this is a hell of a lot of, like, humiliating hard work or. Because they don't want to put that out there for the people who have donating or, or, or backing them. So it's easy to get this illusion of it's just a money tree. Yeah, totally. And and you see that, unfortunately. And often kids, they'll just plain old rush into it. You know, they, they won't have their thing yes. together. And it's like, got to take your time. If you're going to do it, do it right. Because you want it to be successful, right? Like, you know, the end goal is to be able to make your goddamn comic book. So... Yeah, in in researching this, you know, I looked at a lot of successful ones and a lot of failures and ones that were in succeeding in the process of failing, and a, a few you see that are real close. Like either they're not ready for Kickstarter yet, like go work on your comic book for another year and then come back, or just something in the presentation is wrong. Like they don't realize that Kickstarter is a presentation platform in itself, so there's sections not completely filled out and they just you can see this could have this could have worked and then there's ones where i don't even know <laughs> there's no way well that's a very good way to put it is uh it is it's a presentation platform unto itself like you know you're you're kind of becoming your own marketing team you know so oh, yeah. it's uh it's pretty good uh as we sit here uh, things are looking pretty good for you, sir. We're at sixteen eighteen of a twenty five hundred dollar goal. Still got nineteen days to go. Plenty yep. of time. Yep. So I uh, saw that myself. Uh, I I've been 
everyone I mentioned this to you at uh, New York Comic Con this week, everyone who knows something, as soon as I said I'm over 60%, they, everyone went, oh, yeah, you'll make it. You'll, don't worry, you'll make it. And I had to tell all of them, like, part of me knows that. I know that. But if I take that in, then I'll get soft. Then I'll stop fighting for it. And so I have to, I have to deny it. That is a very, very general consensus across my guests. I think you just put it the most plainly and simply, but uh, that is definitely the thing. You gotta, you gotta keep it up till the end. You can't rest, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it's been fun because a lot of people handle it differently. Like, I've had some guests who are just like a nervous wreck. Like, <laughs> they just can't keep their shit straight until the thing's over, you know? And then I've had other people who'd be like, yeah, it happens, it happens. So, uh. Well, you know, on the third day of my campaign, the 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 boom petered out, and there was like there was on the first two days I was hitting refresh every few minutes and going oh <laughs> on the third day nothing all day, and the scared little idiot in me excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, I yawned because my own story was boring. Yeah, no, there's New York Comic Con catching up to you. <laughs> oh, that is true. Um, I wish there was some uh, uh, like a hot chemical substance I could just drink that would like, restore my energy. Perhaps um, made from some sort of earthy bean. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's crazy talk. Anyway, um, yeah. So I had that little fear, that terror of like, oh, what if? And then I just remind myself, I know how to work hard. To get my comic out there. That's the thing I'm good at. I don't need to... If I'm getting scared about no no backers, then I'll go out and get some backers. Right. That's not something I need to worry about. That's nice. See, that's a good attitude to have. Like, if, if you know, if I got to work harder, I just got to work harder is basically what you're saying, you know? And that's... Uh, a lot of people miss out on the hard work part, kids, you know? Oh, my God, it makes me so... Like, these people who have something and then zero backers or i see people who have been languishing at like six hundred dollars for a week go get some more money yeah <laughs> yeah it's you know keep it going it's uh i i have had an incredible track record and i'm very proud of this track record because i've had many many kickstarters on this show over a hundred and what 66 episodes i think this okay. is and I think maybe two, maybe three were unsuccessful. Fantastic. And, and we're talking a couple dozen. And so uh, what's the secret? What are the what are the most? You have to appear do? on an elegant weapon. All right. In which case, you will have a ninety-five percent. No, um, <laughs> I, I think it's it's that it's the hard work. Now, it's been know, the. You, is it just that? Um, it's the enthusiasm that the guys bring. The guys, some of them have, uh, even the ones that, I can think of one in particular, I'm not gonna call it out, but one in particular that wasn't successful is, uh, is one of my favorite ideas okay. I've ever seen. And it's being executed well, and I think it's a fantastic idea, but it just, they just felt just a little short. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't, that one was tricky for me because it wasn't, for I didn't see them do anything different that I haven't seen a whole bunch of successful ones do. Like they pushed it, they you know it was presented yep. well. They you know never let up on it, and that has usually been the trick. That's usually what I have seen is 
show your passion for yes what you're making show how badly you want to create this you yes. know don't dog on people you know and there's certain of course actual technical logistical etiquettes to kickstarters and promotion you know like i'm often turned on like oh, i hate when you get those twitter messages thanks for following me check out my comic i'm least likely to check out that comic and just because i know you didn't send me that i know you didn't reach out to me anyone who follows you gets this automated message right right i personally as a podcaster i like a personal touch and i i, I hate that but you know i will pretty much have anybody on this show who just genuinely wants to talk about their stuff and i've done that many times you know or i've, I've just ju jumped onto groups like podcasting groups or sorry creator owned groups on facebook yep, yep. and literally put out a shout and been like hey i do a podcast who wants to chat and all of a sudden i've got three episodes lined up you know and often they'll end up being the coolest guys and yeah i love it when you guys do stuff like that yeah it's the best you know you get these fresh you know conversations and stuff and it's it's really really cool so i think that's been the trick has been your hard work and passion and like you were wise enough to do is your research yes like you know like sorry it's uh what's the podcast again taylor james um it's tyler james does uh comics launch c-o-m-i-x launch all right cool i'm gonna look that shit up and follow it and uh that sounds like some great advice kids but that's that's very important do your research like figure out you know, like yep. how to do things. Kickstarter is not like a podcast where you can right. trial and error it, you know, you and can then just delete the first three episodes if they were it, bad. Yeah. Exactly. Or, you know, you, you're figuring out your technology or losing entire episodes. Yep. Like it's, it's, it's a journey unto itself as its own art form, but you don't give up. You just keep I mean, on I've working. I've adjusted mine as I've gone. I had, um, a thing I thought was a cool idea where it was basically an auction for Sean Langley's original pages of the issue. Very cool. And, um, well, no, it just didn't, it was too complicated. I didn't have enough, uh, like confirmed interest in it. Okay. All right. So I just switched it to straight up by the pages. Just pure reward. Yeah. Well, um, actually I've got it. Uh, one thing that I'd like to do that actually a few people asked about cause it's a little confusing. I'll list the same reward at different price points. So I started, uh, um, Sean was doing uh, original sketches, original black and white, original ink sketches and original colored sketches. And I think the lowest one I had on there was $5. And that's ridiculous. That's a tenth of what he would normally charge. Right, yeah. But then the next one is 15 and the next one is 25 Right. So that if you're in there quick enough, you can get this awesome prize real cheap. Oh, that's a smart move. I like that. Well, I totally that. like that. I have the yeah. same thing for um, original pages. You can get an original page for 100 bucks. That's a very cool, very cool idea, man. I like that. Especially when you're talking about, you know, the badass art of fucking Sean Langley. Mm. Holy shit, what a hookup. When did you guys hook up? Like, when did you start working together? Oh, what was it? Two, three years ago? Maybe, not quite. Um... He had done a book, Earth Ruler, the successfully kickstarted book called Earth Ruler with uh, um, a writer named uh, um, Darren O'Toole. Uh, Darren is very prolific and had also done a short story with the artist I was working on, Cav, who did uh, Rapid City Objects at Rest. And so through Cav, I hooked up with Darren. Through Darren, I hooked up with Sean. 
I asked Sean to do a pinup for me. He banged it out. It was awesome. And then I had some scripts that needed drawn. Oh, actually, you know what? Sean and I actually initially worked on a uh, science fiction pitch because we were sort of between projects. I had I was waiting for Cav to catch up on the pages for the other comic, and Sean was also waiting. It was, it was sort of like, while we wait on this other thing, let's just put together a little pitch project. I, I need to, to work on that. And um, then after a little while, uh, we was like, you want to just do a comic book? <laughs> <laughs> You know oh, what? It, it, I always make dating analogies with making comics because it's 100% exactly the same as making comics. Oh, totally. Totally agree. And so what, with the pitch thing, it was like we were sort of seriously long distance dating for a while. And I was like, you know what? Let's just get married. Let's, <laughs> screw all this. Just let's just get married. And we're like, you know what? Obviously. Time to elope. Yes. <laughs> well, it, things went well, man. Because yes. uh, what, what a hookup to have. I mean, that boy is—he's disturbingly talented. Like he he's does... disturbingly talented. Um, he works pretty fast. He, uh, um, he knows what and why he's doing things. He knows what he's doing and why. Very deliberate. You're absolutely right. The other day, uh. I posted a video. I'm a big Jerry Lee Lewis fan. Okay. And just a huge fan of Jerry Lee Lewis. And uh, the other day I posted a video. It's a rare video of him doing a whole lot of shaking going on, but a cappella. Uh, okay. They had, they had forgot like his back playing tracks. It was just him and a piano. Beautiful oh, video. So I posted that, and uh, Sean liked it or shared it. He might have even have shared it. And then one of his friends posted a picture in the comments of Jerry Lee that Sean had done back in 2008. Really? And I was just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. You actually did a, it's a crazy picture of Jerry Lee at the piano. And he did it back in like 2008. And I was just like, wow, that's like, I already thought he was amazing. And then here back in 08, he's drawn portraits of Jerry Lee Lewis and shit. Just like he may be the coolest dude out there, man. So, <laughs> uh, I, I yeah, I, I I love working with the dude. Well, I have to get him back on the show. He was on a bunch of episodes ago there, but uh, he's also a huge Hoovian. And uh, uh -huh. just I didn't even know that till the end of the episode. We'd already been talking for like an hour, and then we clued in, and we're like, oh god, we had so much more to talk about. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to get him back on for that. But uh, unfortunately. It is uh, Thanksgiving here today in Canada, and oh I God. have to be off to the Hamilton <clears throat> area for Turkey Bird. Actually, it's Turkey Round Two. Oh, I had a, with, yeah, I had my side yesterday, and now I have to go to the girlfriend's side today. So Turkey Round Two fight. But uh, Josh, it's been very cool to sit and chat with you. Hopefully, you'll come back, and uh, we can have a bit more of a session. I would love to. And uh, that would be very cool. But for now, kids, go check out uh, Rapid City Below Zero number four. It's as simple as that on Kickstarter, yes? Uh, yeah, Rapid City Below Zero number four. And where can they find you and all your awesome stuff? Um, I'm on all the major platforms, Twitter, Facebook. I'm on Tumblr. Your, your listeners know how to use Google. Just Rapid City Below Zero, <laughs> Rapid City Comic, Josh Dahl, Rapid City Below Zero. Any of those will get you there. And, of course, all those links will also be posted on uh, anelegantweapon.ca when this episode uh, pops up a little later this week. 
But uh, for now, Josh, thank you very, very much. Appreciate it greatly. Uh, it was good times. Thank you and, so much. Uh, that is all. We are going to have this week on an elegant weapon, kids. Take it easy.